Hi, and welcome to Radio Juxtapose episode number four. Hosted by myself, Doug Gillen, and the editor-in-chief of Juxtapose magazine, Evan Preco. This episode comes to you live from the Juxtapose clubhouse in downtown Miami. Today, we'll be in conversation with two times Juxtapose cover artist, Camille Rose Garcia. If you want to get straight into the interview with Camille, then I'd probably skip forward to about minute 13. Otherwise, you can listen to me and Evan killing time chatting about what constitutes a great cover artist for Juxtapose magazine. Either way, I hope you enjoy this episode. We are back. We're, we're here. We're, we're back. here in bits. Oh my in goodness. So many various forms. We were so sweet and smart when we said 10 a.m. will work for us. I don't know why we agreed. And to you this. know, when you tell somebody 10 a.m., you should actually read the brand. That you're going to be doing this for. Because if you're going to do it for tequila brand and they're going to give you tequila to drink. Thanks, tequila Why brand. would we be here at 10 a.m.? I mean, it's it's not a good idea. Should we unpack a little bit of last night? Uh, last night was the, the official opening. Uh, you guys had this whole place jumping. Um, how, how do you feel, Evan, Evan Preco, the man that made all that, that shenanigans happen? You feeling good? I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, there's... I had to hide for the first half hour, just got to get a little nervous, just like, is anyone going to come? Do people read, like, notes to tell you where to go? Do you still get that then? Yeah, I mean, this is, I'm, you've, been, you've been here for a minute, and, and do you every, still every get time. that kind of like... Oh my god, every time, it's like, oh god, do people not follow us on Instagram? Do people not, like, no, like, there's an address, can they get that? Like, are they against me? Like, nah, I don't want to do it. And walking between all the different addresses, the three buildings we have, I, I was, like, stunned at about 9 o'clock. It, yeah. was, it was bumping, and it went for... It was going to go until nobody was ready. Yeah. Nobody was ready for that. I mean, there, there was a good, and the thing is, it is like a reunion, right? Mm. But when you're at a fair, you, you kind of feel a little bit like, oh my God, we got, <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know what's going on, Doug just burned himself. Oh my oh. God. Why do they serve it so hot? Why do they serve coffee at the, the temperature of molten lava? It's, a, it's an Americano. I don't know. Is, it, is that classy enough for you? I can't speak for the galleries, but for me, it just seemed like everybody was happy to see each other. What's your purpose then for this? I just when you when when you touched on that, you know, I'm, I can't speak for the galleries. I can only speak for the people. How do you see this? Do you see it as a, a big party, or do you see it as kind of like a as a fair, as a as a place of sales, or do you? No, see it's it an like... al- well, it's an al- it's an alternative fair in mm. our own sense. I mean, we want to treat it like the alternate. To that was a slurp. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a slurp. sorry, audio <laughs> listeners. That he still got his sunglasses on. So this, be, is just, this, is be, this is gonna be such a long uh, day. Yeah. Oh my god, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a um, it, It's a you know an alternate solution to the fair system. Yeah, I don't necessarily think juxtapose needs to be associated with the fair anymore. Yeah, um, I think fairs are great for if you can do them, but for us, we'd rather give galleries to you know. The space to do what they want to do and artists to be able to do what they want to do um, in a way that is like non-compromising. How good are Super Chief of what they do? Yeah, they're really good, aren't they? That, but they, you know what? They have a thing. There is a thing. They just have this formula that just connects so nicely and they create the chaos. So what it is, and I told this to Ed and Bill last night after having the tequila that were, that's making my headache really bad right now is that they're the embodiment of what Juxtapose does. It's about building a community. It's about 
they make all their staff members feel included in the mm. project. They make all the artists feel included in the project. So then you have like hundreds of these kids who are like all feeling they have ownership over this thing. And that generates this energy that you can't really duplicate any other way unless you do that. Which is, it, it, they do it, they just like to the outsider, it's like, those guys don't know what they're doing. That's a shit show. That's chaos. But actually, it's so well controlled well, and it, so calculated. It is a shit show. It's but definitely it's a good shit it show. Definitely is a shit show. Yeah. But there's just all these amazing different elements that just give it this this kind of this energy. For you though, uh, I guess I, I don't know if you're allowed to pick sort of highlights. Um, have you what what has been your sort of takeaway uh, from last night about what? that you've seen come together that you had a vision uh, in your head of what you were putting together and then suddenly now you've seen it materialize for you what what stands out uh the, the the highlight to me is that nothing felt repeated like every single gallery every single installation everything felt like you were going to something different like you're going through a different feature or the magazine or a different you know department like that to me was that was my was the highlight was just the fact that it you didn't have to, you didn't like go in and see like the same person's work in every or the same genre in every single. I like that idea of approaching it like a magazine, like you know. Well, that was the point. That was different, the and we, different sections, different pages, different chapters, different uh, and, things to take away, different parts the, of the genre. The whole <clears throat> purpose of this year and why we wanted to do the storefronts and why Stan and I came down here so early mm. was that we tried to figure out a way to how to tell the twenty fifth anniversary without being so blatant about it, without being like this is twenty five years, but like. This gallery, these galleries sort of represent all the genres that we cover or in different regions that we cover. Um, I mean, we, you know, we've got a gallery from Tokyo and Hong Kong here. So and, uh, you know, an entire Mexico group show or, you know, Lucy Sparrow. You know, it's like we sort of felt like that's the way to tell the story as opposed to like hammering over your head that we're 25 years old. You've kept that so low key, the, the actual 25 uh, year celebration <clears throat> was that conscious that you you were like I mean I think you could probably walk about here and spend the entire night here and people would know that it was a 25 year right um you know we made the announcement last week with the cause issue that there was you know we're starting our 25th anniversary yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think I'm a little hesitant because we're sort of still planning on what the big thing we're doing in 2019 is so I'm like a little hesitant to be like this is it. This is the 25 thing. What's the big thing you're doing in 2019, Evan? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. So it's not like... You're no, gonna, no. You're it, it's like we're, <laughs> we're developing something. I, well, I'm not going to tell you on this for your fucking hungover podcast. It's our... I, I just, like, I just <laughs> like to say it's our hungover podcast. Yeah, that's true. There's no oh, did year. I say your? Yeah, you oh, did. Good. It's our... Yeah, you're, I'm going to make you responsible. Fine, fine. Oh, so... I'll reap the benefits. Should we we're tell already... people what we're doing? today <clears throat> um, on the pods I th- <laughs> yes i got it in everybody i just want everyone to, to just work with me here why can't i say pods or the pod okay. i think it's fine let's put this out let's put this out to you the listener okay so we are in in one of our many meetings about how we're approaching this podcast <laughs> we you can hear the laughter there we've never uh, we've been this. we've been discussing <laughs> We've been discussing the terminology uh, of how we use it. Actually, we've not been discussing it, but Evan has this really sort of like this hidden agenda of trying to shorten it to pod. So we're not podcasting. We are podding. No, I want That's you... not a hidden agenda. It's just when we're in discussions. I just want to say, okay, what should we do on the pod? It's easier. 
Okay. What do you want me to say? What do we do on the podcast? Like, I'm not going to... I want to say the pod. Okay, so you've got to let us know, oh, sweet listener, hit us up in any form of social media whatsoever and let us know, is it... Are we... Are we too old to use the term pod? Like, is that a thing that you can only use if you're like an actual millennial, not like the kind of clinging on to the dying, <laughs> the dying embers of being a millennial? If you're a real millennial. Wait, wait, is that what I am? Well, I think that's what we're doing. That's what we're collectively doing. <laughs> you're a little bit younger than me, so I feel like that was a dig. That wasn't a dig. No, I was putting us in the same bracket there. We're both, Evan, we're both over that hill. Should we talk about our guest? Our guest today is the. Wonderful fine artist, painter, human, Camille Rose Garcia. Two-time Juxtapose cover artist. Two-time Juxtapose, uh, over a period of how long? Oh, I think it was 10 years apart. What's uh, your criteria for a Juxtapose cover artist? Wow, that's a good question. That is like really getting to the nitty-gritty. It's, it's pretty complicated because it, like, you, you have to do classics or people who are part of your history or part of the scene for years, but you also have to, th- you have to do the next generation. So it's, it's, to, to be honest, I tried. What's your ratio? Uh, I like to do every other cover now that we're four times a year. I like to kind of switch it up every single time. I mean, like classic, someone who's never been in the magazine, classic, someone's never been in that. Not classic, but you know what I mean, like somebody well-established. Have you seen any that you've just gone, this is going to bang, and then boom, suddenly that's it? Um, the, the, the two covers we did this year, um, Inez Longival, oh man, it's a French name, and Grace Weaver, like, I knew, like, I knew those were gonna be great covers, mm. I knew that those artists were gonna have a great year, and like, it was perfect timing, because they, they, their stuff kind of, year, what was that? She had a very good Yeah, year, she did nice. have a very good year, yeah. um, and, uh, she's, both of them, it's just like, good you knew that they were having a good year. You knew they had big projects coming up. And so you, it was just kind of made so much sense. How important is social media following for you to feature and juxtapose? Not necessarily on the cover, just in the magazine. Do you spend a lot of time digging through just to make sure that they have the right kind of social media following? Zero. I, I, I'm, I, I'm honest about that. Zero. I, I fully believe that that's the right answer. <laughs> no, I, I, really, I really don't. It helps. But there's no correlation with a big following in magazines being sold. Zero. Um, and uh, there's just nothing. There's no correlation. Grace Weaver does not have a big social media following, and, and it was a great selling cover for us. So it's, it's, I, I've stopped caring about that. Obviously, when you put Os Jamias on a cover, like you're going to get a big push on social media because they have a big following, a rabid following. But I never think about it. I don't, do, I don't think any of us do. But do you still see it as essential for artists to engage with this practice? 100%. 100%. And what, and, and, if you're, if to, you're, and to if, what extent? If you're good at Instagram, if you, do, if you give a little bit of yourself or a little bit of your process, I, it, it, there tends to be a good, um, you'd probably develop a pretty good following. What's the balance for you then? Do, does it have to be all business or do you like to see a little bit of character? Where, where does it sit? What do you, what do you like from... Oh, am I, I like... I, I, you're I, like, I, like to, for like artists, I'm, like what... I'm going in, yeah. If I'm yeah. an artist listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, cool, uh, yeah. what, does, what does the editor-in-chief from one of the you know, leading magazines, what does he look for and what should I be doing to, to, to get noticed, to up my game, I, to come across in the right way? I, I do... Th- oh, I'm trying to think who does a really good job. Um, 
Well, we'll talk about Cause, for example, because he's on the cover right now. I really like that he shows his art collection a lot mm-hmm. because it, 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 I like that insight into what he thinks about art in general. And I like it because a lot of the stuff he buys has nothing to do with what he does. So I like those little pieces of the puzzle, these things where it's like, okay, I, I see kind of where they're coming from. Revoke is really good about that too. Revoke shows who is in this issue, like does a really good job of showing his process and the things that he likes on his Instagram in with his work mm-hmm. um, to the point of like, it's, it's pretty well, it's like a really well curated account. Um, and then uh, somebody like Inez, Inez is really good because she shows her process in a really interesting way. So I like, I like a little bit, I don't want to see too much because I don't want to know every single thing you're doing, but I do like to see a, like a little bit of a playful seriousness about what you're, what, what you see as the art world around you. Good. So we are, we're back. We're back in business, baby. Radio Juxtapose, episode four. Today with none other than kind of, one of the ultimate classic juxtaposed artists, Camille Rose Garcia. Aww. Thank you, guys. And we, it, look, we've <laughs> talked about this off the mics here, but now we're back on the mics. When you are working with a tequila company, you decide to schedule a podcast at 10 a.m. after we sample the tequila. What were we thinking? Well, I could possibly school you in the correct way to drink tequila. Oh, wow. Oh, let's I, feel do like it. I feel like we're getting told <laughs> off. I know. <laughs> Back in school again. No, this, so, is, this, is, this is really going to help everybody. It will help. So what you have to do, first of all, you, have, you must respect the tequila. You don't want to have... You can't drink it with a bunch of dudes <laughs> oh, and loud well, music because then there's like three bottles gone before you know it. So you drink so, alone so in no silence? Alone in silence. So no dudes. No dudes. <laughs> Uh, no loud music. Can- I, candles. I feel like, candles. This, is, I feel like yeah. this is the exact um, opposite of yeah. what you should do yeah. in see, particular. No I candles ma- or, am, or have am, candles? No, you must have candles. I'm oh, the master. Wow. All right. Um, uh, clean shot glass. Warm. Because I, in the South, I had somebody serve me tequila chilled. And I was horrified. And I left it out. And then it went back in the freezer. I don't understand why this happened. But just to so it say, be, it should be room temperature. It should be room temperature. No, no I'm learning. Room what? temp. No, I'm learning. Candles. Okay. Yes. No dudes. No dudes. You don't no need music. the lime or the salt. So it's just in a glass. No ice. No ice. No ice. <laughs> this is. This is a this is a grim picture you are painting here. I feel like we've jumped into one of your paintings here and it's just solitary and alone. Yeah, all all of a sudden I'm like, this is kind of okay. Well, this is more ritualistic, I guess. Do you mean like a party tequila? There's two different ways of drinking tequila. There's party tequila, and then there's like ritual creativity tequila. That's a different deal. Okay, I'm just gonna. Yes, and I will backtrack a little bit to a conversation I had with my Yaki aunt when I was talking to her about drinking tequila and mezcal and saying the first time I had both tequila and mezcal, it felt like I'd been drinking them for like a hundred years. She said, well, that's, you know, have you heard of the three allies? I said, no, what, what is this three allies? What? 
Oh, you're going to like this yeah, story, I'm, Evan. I'm, I'm, Are you is, intrigued? I'm in. No, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm finally a guest who's like actually kind of given us the breakdown on life. Bestowing knowledge. Yeah. Everyone else yes. is just talking about other things. You're yeah. like, okay, well, let's cut to no, the No, I mean, I, I bring it. So I said, Aunt Yolanda, tell me about the three allies. What is, what are you, what are you talking about? So she said that our Yaqui ancestors, which are Indians from Sonora, uh, northern Mexico, Sonora region, would, um, they would use mezcal or tequila, but normally mezcal, um, and peyote and jimson weed. And they would steep the peyote and the jimson weed in the mezcal or tequila for, I don't know, months on end. And then... Months on end? <laughs> months on end. And okay. then, as part of their, their ritual... Um, they would take the shots, and then they would talk to their ancestors, our ancestors, who were, you know. I mean, you, AKA triple, the ancestors. Trip balls. Trip balls. Yeah. Yes, and talk to the yeah. the ancients, the ancient ones, right. who apparently are dolphins. Oh wow! Okay, so that was the curveball. <laughs> Is that, that the third ally? That was the no. Thing. The three allies are the. <laughs> I was the, say, did, did we get any of the allies? <laughs> like, no, peyote, jimson weed, and mezcal or tequila. Um, okay. Those are the three allies okay. because it would be your your um, your drink in order to enter a different dimension. Okay. So that's a ritualistic ceremonial usage of the tequila. Got it. Of which you guys maybe weren't doing we that last night. We shortchanged this. Maybe you quite didn't well. quite take enough time. Yeah. So some dude or gal <laughs> is in the desert, yes. tripping balls, sees a dolphin, and then tells everybody, like, yeah, you're going to see a dolphin. How do you mm. find a dolphin in the middle of the desert? That's what, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> right, and I asked Aunt Yolanda, why dolphins? I thought the Yaki were the deer people. And she said, well, the Gulf of Mexico is only like, an hour from that region, the top of it. Okay, yeah. And she said we would go to the coast and to fish and talk to the ancestors who were dolphins. Got it. Oh, my God. I, cause I I'm, know. I'm, I'm, I'm I from know. Scotland, so we have a, a big connection oh, with Nessie. Whiskey. You have a Nessie. Well, we have, we, we have, we've got like the king of the dolphins. I don't want to brag. Our dolphin is pretty good. the biggest dolphin. Oldest dolphin. Also worst chat offline. But we have this obvious connection with whiskey, but right. you just, you just like, talk, like, I'm like, yeah, we, we've got whiskey. And then you start bringing up the three allies. I'm like, I know nothing. No, but look, here's. Wait, no. Scotland doesn't have like a whole like ritualistic whiskey thing? Or is it we just like, do. you know of what? The winters are long and wet. We're going to we just do. drink. We do, but I don't know it. You don't know it. I, I, I well, here's absolutely school me on that. Well, and here's what's interesting. I was talking earlier about um, th- specifically tequila and um, the idea of storytelling and stories in a land base or a people or actually distilled into this bottle. You have you have the land, you have the plant, and you have the people that made the the alcohol, the, the distilled spirits. Mm. Um, so you have all of that. It's a very potent thing. It's all of that in there. So for you, you're from Scotland. You have whiskey. So you have a whole history of whiskey. Of you know, there's like the peat moss that they. Mm. There's that right, and there's this whole ritual. There's the people that do that. There's the land. The peat comes out of the land right there. Mm-hmm. So there's. I'm sure when you drink whiskey, there's an actual connection to your people and your land that you might not even be aware of. I feel something. 
maybe even uh, fairies or the little people, right? Because that's we you have, have the little people of, of, of fairy tales, like right, right. Yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what are the other little people up there in the north. In the north, the Irish. Well, like, I mean, there's like the leprechauns, but there's there's all the uh, little peoples. Yeah, like, isn't there little... like some sort of like uh, S- Scotland's got to have like like the little people? Like no, how does he not know? He doesn't Evan know. You know knows. nothing about no. I just like your people, I, I just... <laughs> except for like you know where to find a good pub. I just or like something. to backpedal a little bit. I right. fully apologize <laughs> to any of the Irish I offended there when I when I said that I am. Well, and then I threw in leprechauns, so uh, I don't. I'm that's I'm responsible so for I'm, that I'm, part. I'm with you guys on that. So do you do you come from a long line of storytellers then? Yeah. Like, oh, this is good. Uh, yeah, like actually. Art making. Good sure, one. Sure, that was good. That's a good segue. Because um, right. we've got ten minutes of tequila chat, <laughs> and all these people are listening like. Hang on, I thought we were. What, is this an what art are we talking podcast? about? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> driving in their cars or like at work. Like this is getting. What are we talking about? We okay. are talking about art and tequila, both things, mm. and storytelling. Um, I do actually. My my grandmother, um, who is from Tucson, she was like the first uh, female radio D- DJ in Tucson in the 40s. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I think in all of Arizona. And then my father, her son, he uh, ended up being a filmmaker in Los Angeles. Um, and then I feel like I approach painting really kind of from a storyteller's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I just finished um, writing a story and illustrating it. And it's, you know, that's going to come out in March. But uh, Good plug. <laughs> Did you like that? Sorry. That was very nice. Very uh, but um, no, uh, in terms of like talking about like lowbrow art or illustrative art, a lot of it comes from maybe early animation or um, illustrated illustrated stories, illustrated books. Um, so there has I feel like there's always kind of a narrative component in a lot of that early work. It's certainly in mine, right. which has always sort of been like I'm telling kind of stories in these paintings, but they're not linear. Right. Yeah. But you know. That's interesting because even like bringing up pop surrealism or lowbrow, it, it's interesting to me like when a lot of you and your contemporaries kind of were first starting out, it, it was it's interesting that it, it was like people were like, oh, this is there's such an, something so new and fascinating about this, but it was really in, entrenched in some like pretty early storytelling or early kind of uh, turn of the century kind of style of art and kind of entertainment almost in a sense so it's kind of it's fascinating to yeah it's actually more ancient yeah exactly yes. yeah yeah i mean if you look at uh stained glass panels in um you know churches that's all that is is like graphic novels yeah right <laughs> you know yeah i mean it, it's it, and i think so if we talk about pop culture and the, the roots of pop surrealism and lowbrow which is like pop culture what are we talking about we're talking about um, cartoons, we're talking about rock and roll, we're talking about, um, yeah, like uh, illustrated books, comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that is really just a repetition of layered symbolism of storytelling right. throughout since humans have been alive. Right. So if you take something like Snow White from Disney, the Disney movie, um, that's something that is more ancient because it's the Grimm brothers took that from the Black Forest. So that's more ancient because it's the people of Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. 
but then how where did they get that from? Right. Yeah, and when yeah. I was researching Snow White, I actually found that there was um, the um, a lot of the symbolism in that, which is like the magic mirrors, um, the the dwarves. All of these oh, are movie. the little people, dwarves. Yeah, they're associated with magic um, because they actually would go being miners. They would go into the earth and pull out the jewels of the earth. Right. Okay. So they were associated with this sort of like magical ability to like pull the jewels out of the earth and gold. So I found like some Mayan actual uh, Mayan art that had like giant and a magic mirror and dwarves. So it was like this repetition of yeah. this ancient symbolism. So that's why I feel like when pop surrealism lowbrow came on the scene and people like not just art fans but regular people reacted to it in such a way, it's because it was already something familiar, this layered symbolism right. that existed kind of like, in culture. It's almost like subconscious storytelling yes. that we yes. all have in us because that's the way humans have interacted through the years and just only recently have we communicated in the way that we're communicating now. Right, and actually like film communica communicates in this way, it's narrative, it's symbolism. Um, what happened I think with modern art when you got to um, abstract expression, not so much abstract expressionism as maybe more like minimalist art, but when you pull out everything that anyone can relate to as maybe like a figure or a story or any kind of symbol that you can grab onto, it removes a certain amount of being able to relate to that work. Yes. So it's not a criticism of that kind of work, it's right. just what happened and why I think when pop surrealism came on the scene and yeah, and that also uh, occurred at the same time. I know for you young kids, they don't remember a day before the internet, but there was the day before the internet. I like that. Do you like that? Well, no, it, made, just, me, it made, just, me, made me feel younger than I, yeah. Feel, it made me feel so sprightly <laughs> and young, and that was great. Yes, uh, there was so, the day before the go. internet, the day <clears throat> the internet was born. Um, and that kind of occurred actually right when, when I got out of grad school, it was like 94. When I went, started school, there was no internet. When I got out, it was like, oh, you can make a website. So I was like one of the first that, oh, let's make a website. And then what that enabled was people that weren't going to galleries or living in New York or going to see art in, you know, they were able to see it in their own home. And so they were then able to participate in something without being intimidated or feel like they don't know anything about this. Right. Um, and then, you know, lowbrow pop surrealism has such a visual kind of punchy look to it, I think, that it translates really well also on a small screen. I was just going to say, yeah. did you yeah. find there was a difference then when you were researching this between the way that Disney approached these stories and the way that the, the, the brothers, the Grimm brothers, the brothers Grimm uh, approached these stories? Did you find that there was a, a difference between them and did you want to stay true to the original or did you want to kind of try and develop this in your own Wait. Right. So um, I d did discover that with every generation that takes the symbolism in these fairy tales or stories, uh, that there is always a certain um, there's a certain angle or something that is is more emphasized. So the earlier grim stories, there was a lot more brutality, uh, a little bit darker. <laughs> They got and soft, didn't they? They, they got soft, they yeah. They pulling that back. Yeah, and they've got even softer since Disney died, actually. To now, like, I don't, I don't even know if you could make some of the same movies that were made even in the 70s. I mean, we think about it. 
It's like that, that that old sort of Eastern European dark yeah. as they come. And uh, do you think we'll ever get back to that? Do you think do you think this is sort of like molly coddled the, the molly coddled this is the greatest word i've heard today this is the, I, molly I'm, like, I'm like just shocked think, you were to pull that one molly out you know, what, you know what this means <laughs> doug's back doug is back yes doug is ready to go i definitely uh, think getting the tequila back i definitely think but you, our you culture is molly call molly go on let's let's do it it's like it's interesting. Lolly Lollycoddled? Lolly Lolly I just made that up. We're bastardizing the word yeah. though. Well, that's like you're so molly coddled that you have a lolly in your mouth at all times. Because okay. you're a child. <laughs> that can't handle wow, darkness. Do you think then do you think that we have uh, we have softened off a little bit a little bit too much? Do you think we I should think be exposed to this kind of this, Yeah, well this here's dark here's what I think, and then this goes back to maybe Mexican culture, ancestry, tequila, which we're kind of also talking about. Mm. Um, I think American <laughs> Western culture is still deeply rooted in Puritanism. Um, and that has permeated our culture to the point where um, a lot of things are centered out now, maybe misunderstood. So where I think in culture of Mexico, you have more of a balance of the dark and the light existing together. You have beauty, you have decay, you have um, horror with comedy, like you have all these things commingled where I feel like in our culture, in the United States right now especially, uh, there's, it's, ba it's a culture based on fear. And it's a culture that doesn't understand the entirety of existence, which includes all of those opposites. And, th and I, that really does equate to how mass culture at this point approaches art. In a right. I mean, a or, lot, like, or like the entertainment, or, yeah, the entertainment you know. industry is right, kind of what I right. mean. And you're right. It was like we are so afraid to kind of get into the dark side. And it's anytime there's like a dark film, it's like, oh, you know, it's like there's like. Like the first 15 minutes of Up. You know Up? <laughs> yes. Yeah. First 15 minutes of that. That's super dark. <laughs> yes. But and, and it's a really good example. And that's actually probably the best movie that that studio has made because they went there. Cool, because you looked at me. You guys both just looked at me like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" No, it's, it was because I know you've was, talked about it was super grown dark. men watching animated movies. Sometimes oh I get a little bit like, "All right, I, I, I'm so just like, waiting to see no, how no, early no, I can bring in Frozen." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he starts talking I about Frozen. I think we're very close to bringing in Frozen. I think oh, we're like five minutes away God. from this. Oh, but yes. but that you know there is this kind of reluctance to be open about, and I think this is maybe kind of some of the great problems of our time is that we're we're uh, scared to admit. The darks, the dark side of humanity. Well, and there's confusion over what that and, is. And what so it is, yeah. From and it's a like puritanical so point of yep. view, you know, a nipple or nudity becomes uh, yeah. associated with um, uh, depravity and perversity when it's, you know, it's just the human body. Like mm -hmm. it's not real. That's from the point of view of sin and you know all of this other layered symbolism that um, is a one point of view. Right. You know. You look at the work of a lot of outsider artists or someone like Joe Coleman or even Henry Darger, could that exist today? I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, Joe Coleman's still alive, but I mean, Henry Darger specifically, who came from such a point of view of, of isolation and not really even religious, actually, too, but not really related to his fellow man and other humans. And in a way, it's just the, the body of his work is so singularly, it's so beautiful mm -hmm. because it's, um, it's so pure from, from, uh, 
from fashion or trend or anything. But I mean, if someone made that work now, like in art school, I mean, they would be arrested. You know, I mean, no, could I you mean, it's, even, no, like, yeah, or they'd be, uh, you couldn't have it on Instagram. Like, yeah, you, you know, go, like, yeah, we, well, that's, that's yeah, the thing. You know. that Instagram is the place where it would just be, it would be shut down. They're the real gatekeepers. Of yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And in you a way, know. as open as it is, it's also, you know, what you is not allowed to be shown on there. So. And, the, and there's yeah. also a little bit of this too, is that we're training people, not to go off topic, but we're training people like, to be like, I this is bad and like we right. we got some stuff taken down this week because we had like a little bit of nudity in an animation mm-hmm. and somebody was so offended right. by animation made in 1971 that they had to <laughs> complain to Instagram and it's like well and then the revision of history of like yeah. oh or should we take out what was it recently it Alice in, was it Alice in, no it wasn't Alice in Wonderland it was a different where... thing the Little House in the Prairie Little, was House, it? Little House in the Prairie has been the, the old original books have yeah. been taken out of uh, you know the, the, the school, some the school. syllabus or, yeah. or, or, or whatever. Oh, was it because when of, uh, Albert got hooked on the drugs? Was no, it, it was because of the. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a really good <laughs> Little <laughs> House in the Prairie. I think it was, the, think it was the, uh, the way that the terminology that was used to describe black people. But th- this is the thing. It was like, look, that was this is like important because this is just how it was and how they describe things at that time. Right, and it is reflective of a historical time. It was reflective of that yeah. time. It doesn't mean it's right and we shouldn't judge it by today's standards. We shouldn't judge it by today's standards because then what you're doing, I mean, if you read George Orwell, if you read 1984, his whole job is to rewrite history to suit whatever the current uh, administration's idea of what happened right. is. Yes. So I think it's a little bit of a dangerous, um, and, and talking about art as well, I mean, throughout history, artists, poets, writers have been the counterculture. Um, so if you want to continue that tradition of being the counterculture, of being a voice against current culture, a voice of um, critical, you know, just yeah. saying something about mm-hmm. this culture, right what's wrong with it, what's right with it, which I have always felt that's the role of art. That's what I feel that my role is. Um, but, you know, if you cannot be a counterculture because of... of um, censorship? Censorship, or? that's yeah. the word I'm yeah. looking for. <laughs> but I, got I, said, I got you. Then, you know, <laughs> what, are we, what are we allowed to say? But do you feel a little bit now... Yeah. Do you feel because art so from from your early days mm-hmm. showing in Los Angeles and all those great galleries yeah to now where art is so much more popular right this particular genre has blown up yes it, is it harder for you to navigate that I am counterculture or I am in some sort of underground scene because you're sort of it's like it's changed so much where you, like your voice is actually heard by a lot of people now so it, right just in the history of like this whole scene in your career, like, do you feel like, yeah, it's not as counterculture as it used to be. It's not our fault. It's actually, we just have a a larger audience and it's just changed. Well, you know, it's different for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. For me personally, I, I feel like I'm always going to be counterculture till I'm dead just because those are my roots and those are what I uh, believe in. You know, I do a lot of illustration for like little punk bands that don't have any money just because I I love them and I believe in them and um, it's not about money Uh, but I think like what you're saying I think a lot of and this gets into uh, 
this is a whole other conversation about art school and the cost of art school. Yeah, okay. Because um, it's so expensive now that if you go to art school paying like $100,000 a year, I don't even know what it costs now, but Might as there well would be. be an expectation of a monetary equivalent or reward after that. Right. So there would be no other option for success except to do something that appeals to the broadest amount of people. Yeah. Um, so or, that or just coming out of art school and be like, I'm going to have a gallery show at the finest gallery right away because that's how it works. And I'm going to sell paintings for twenty. Well, whoever's bucks. telling people that should be fired. Right, of course. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing that's dumb. actually happening because they see all the success on yes. Instagram that artists have. Yes. And they're like, it's, it could happen that quick. And right, and they good. want a shortcut. And, and yeah. you're like, no, no, no. It took yeah. me a while. Yeah, yeah. And I had to struggle. Yeah. And we, like we were talking to Shepard Ferry the other day, and he's saying like, "Hey, like in the mid '90s, I didn't have any money, and I was trying really hard. People just thought it just happened." People think it just happened, and then also once you get a name, like we're sitting here with me, I have a name now. Yeah, but exactly. It's it's not like I'm just in some mansion in Beverly Hills, like rolling in piles of money. Like you don't do that. Well, I did it last week, but not this week. Okay. In, in your cabin in the yeah. woods, you're yeah. like, "Well, I do roll yeah. around in money." I roll there. around in dollar bills, but yeah, then yeah. I pick them back. Yeah. Up. Okay. So, well. But no, I'm not, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm oh, not like you actually like have a, cash? What are you talking about? Just Venmo. Just put Venmo just, around you. No, no, no. I'm going, I'm going dark, dark. I'm going off the grid. Um, so what were we talking about? No, just, the, just, like no, I was doing a funny no, you, walk. Yeah, you're, you're saying that just this idea of. Oh, so the commodification of, of uh, creativity. And, yeah, and this is what we deal with, and we live in a capitalist culture. Um, everyone has to survive. So there's really only two two ways. Either y- what you do as an artist um, pays the bills, or you have some other job, and then you do that on the side, and that is removed from commerce. Mm. Um, but you've done a really great job of navigating that. Yeah, I feel like. yeah. Because you you seem un- like Thank you don't you, you don't un- your your visions uncompromised. It seems like when you approach a project. Because, like, when you see your paintings and when you see kind of the, the story stuff that you do, like, yeah. it feels, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting, well, this is a whole different experience and I have to really rethink Camille's mindset here. Oh, thank you. No, because that, it is hard, especially with the commercial work, like, the paintings are, exist for the gallery shows, yeah, exist completely autonomous. I don't have to deal with anyone or show anyone a sketch or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. totally, you know, I get right. to be the Svengali of it all. Yeah. When I do commercial work like the fairy tale books with, mm-hmm. with HarperCollins, um, that's a different beast. I have to work with an art director. I have to work with like a marketing team. So it's I sort of, can I say uh, swear words on here? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yes. Well, let's test the water. So I kind of hate fucked my way through a um, little you're bit. Winning. You're winning the swearing. <laughs> this swearing. Is that okay? Oh, God, that's yesterday. not even. He, he, that's probably not even. I can't even Shet say that anymore, right? Where he just went, Can I swear on this? Those fucking guys. And you just, you just took it to the next level. Wait, no, where no, I think okay. hate fuck is. Is that. Is but I'm, I'm just talking about hate fucking drawing wise, not like. You know, oh, no, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So just to be PC We've here. So all just over to be the place, PC and I'm here. so happy about it. <laughs> I will so be you hate about. fuck the drawings. No, so here's what happened. So uh I don't even think I've ever said that. And uh, I don't I think Harper Collins will hear this, but if they do, it's we not hope they it's do. not personal. Why but they, why wouldn't they hear yeah, it? Yeah, this is gonna be a famous so, podcast. <laughs> so, uh, She's got no faith in what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> She got two looks at us. So look, uh-uh. they promised me Peter Pan, but they said do Cinderella first. And I said, I don't like Cinderella. I think it's a dumb story. I don't like how it ends. 
What's, what's your and, biggest... And uh, so what, I kind of hate fact my way through Cinderella. Yeah. What, my, what, my what's points. your biggest Cinderella then? Um, well, I think it's of a period of time where women were property. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really didn't have any freedom unless you... Uh, married into some kind of wealth. Mm-hmm. So the story is basically um, she's she's saved through marriage by a man because before that she was a slave. Mm-hmm. So for women, especially young women, I don't think it's a good message because we don't in- exist in that kind of culture mm-hmm. now where you have to wait around for someone to save you. I don't think it's realistic. Literally, literally the plot of Pretty Woman. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah which which is, is the most offensive movie of pr- all time. Yeah, and so Cinderella, because Pretty yeah. Woman is Cinderella, yeah. is probably... Who are, the, who are the OG feminists of those uh, fairy tales then? Like, who are, well, the, who are, the, who are the, leading, yeah. the leading figures within that? Who should the little girls be looking up to? Gosh. And, and guys. Actually. Well, you know, so, I mean... And this is a little bit later. This isn't early, but um, you know, Frankenstein was written by a woman. That's right. And Show it was Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. Shelley. Show Mary Shelley. <laughs> and it was written at a time when women were not even really allowed to write or put their name on it. She couldn't have her husband like really upset about her name being something. The kind Percy of like, Shelley. Yeah. It was. Uh, really yeah, he was a poet. Yeah. I know. I got to admit, I just saw the film, so now I'm all like okay. Frankenstein. But I already was like obsessed with Frankenstein, and I, I'm going to say also young Frankenstein, which is a different beast, but brilliant. It's a very different beast. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad we had Gene Wilder. If so I glad we had reference Gene in here. Oh my God! Yes, uh. the pod is real. <laughs> Gene. Yeah, so what was uh, it? What I I, I was actually going to go yeah, more yeah. into the into the actual characters from that. I mean, obviously Mary Shelley because she was the one creating this right. this vision, this culture, this 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 idea. Well, so she. So here's here's another thing that goes back because you're asking me what were the early fairy tales that would have been more of a where the woman was a yeah. strong. Well, think about who wrote those fairy tales. A lot of times they're written from the point of view of men. Yeah. So you have to really have something written from the point of view of a woman to have that experience, or painting made from the point of view of a woman, mm-hmm. to have the experience of what what they're going through. So Frankenstein, written by Mary Shelley, the monster is actually her. She is Frankenstein. So because she was the abandoned one, abandoned by the creator. You were schooling us today. I this know. Is, so for a woman to write a book, and her, her role is not the princess. She's the monster. A man would never write that, uh, you know, she would never make, well, that was my wife is the monster. You know, it wouldn't be, so you have a specific point of view from a woman that is showing different facets of a woman other than just the princess story. So that's what I'm interested in is, is uh, what are the other facets where it's, we're not even talking about male, female anymore. It's just a human experience where, you know, we all have those experiences so I think in the past, it's like, oh, well, men are this way and women are this way. Well, we all struggle. We all have pain. We all have heartbreak. And it's just as complex and deep. It's just what has been predominantly uh, shown and recorded through history and creative culture has usually been from the point of view of men because for many, many years, women were property and weren't allowed to really have a career. This is only a recent development. Right. You know. Do you do you feel? I mean, when you were again, when the, the early stages of your career, you were kind of one of the few female artists that was kind of breaking through right. into these galleries and into these kind of circles. Right. Because it was still pretty male dominated. Yeah, it was like uh, skate culture, surf. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, graffiti. Yeah. Which are. So but pretty- did you feel 
a sense of responsibility or did you feel like, was there anything connected to that that you were kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to be the only woman doing this. Was that, yeah, was that, was that part of your thought process and how you were approaching this or, or, or was it just completely alien to that and you didn't actually realize your position and, and, and where you were in a world of men, as it were? Well, it was actually um, pretty thought out in terms of when I got out of grad school, a lot of the study was critical theory and feminist theory. Um, the problem that I had with, with feminist theory and feminist work is that it excluded a lot of people from, you know, you would say, oh, let's go see the show of feminist work. I mean, a lot of people are going to be like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Not to be mean, but right. back in the day, it would be like, well, that's going to be a bunch of like, menstrual blood on the wall, which it was a lot of the times. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you so, think you're that and you're like, yeah, yeah actually I was very bright uh, on that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I never liked the approach of um, that kind of division that these are, you know, I think, I think a woman's point of view should definitely be included in art history, but I also think it doesn't have to be in this way of like lace and menstrual blood, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because I grew up with like, you know, my heroes were, like, lady rock and roll heroes, like Joan Jett and Chrissy Hine and, like, girls with guitars, you know, punk rock girls with guitars. So, to me, it was, like, there's not, you know, it's not just Lilith Fair. It's, like, you can have this other approach. So, when I got out of um, grad school, I actually was just, I was tired of art, and I was just, like, it's going to be a punk band. So, I was in a band, a girl band, for, like, a few years. Um, but the approach when I came back was, like, I don't want someone to look at my paintings and automatically be like, oh, that's work for women or about women or about women's issues. Mm -hmm. my, my role, I always felt, was um, sort of critical of, of culture in a way, but in a way that people wanted to look at it. So it had to be beautiful and it had to be engaging. It had to be like, you know, a little bit um, maybe dangerous or a little bit scary or all of these things. But um, uh, did you see something different then? Because you, you're obviously very connected to your heritage. Yeah. Was it different reading these stories as opposed to kind of Western stories? Did they have a different attitude to women's representation and, and, and the kind of the different point of view? As yeah, actually, that's a good question. Yeah, because all the grim stories are that's a Northern European point of view, mm. which is really the roots of Western civilization, where stories from... Um, South American culture and native culture are a lot more um, uh, diverse. Diverse in the, yeah, there's more of a uh, feminine um, like, recognition, or it's put it's more put democratic equal. when it comes to like the yeah. the way that people are represented. And kind yeah, of, I mean, yeah. you look at uh, a lot of South America. There's a lot of maternal worship. You know, the Virgin right. Mary. Um, so, and I feel like there is a lot more balance in terms of like masculine, feminine. Um, and they might have more traditional roles also, but mm -hmm. I feel like, um, yeah, like there's... Where, where, really did your, where did your understanding and your, your learning of this heritage come from? Was it something that was just very much part of your experience growing up, or was, or was it something you had to actively seek? Yeah, actually it was something I actively had to seek out. Um, my, my father was the Mexican Yaqui Indian, and I didn't live with him. I lived with my mother, who's more uh, Anglo-European. Mm -hmm. um, she spoke fluent Spanish. Um, they spent some time in Peru, so she was always, like, had a lot of uh, sort of uh, South American influence. But uh, growing up, I grew up in Huntington Beach, which was very, very white and very Christian. Mm -hmm. um, 
so yeah, it was like an alien in that culture. I mean, did you is that where this kind of fantasy element came from then, as a sort of response to this? You know, something quite almost. Not ne- I don't want to use the word sterile, but for the yeah, sake of this, let's just say no. Sterile. Actually, that um, <coughs> that's a really good observation um, because I didn't really go to Mexico until probably my early twenties. Well, actually, no, that's not true. I'm sorry. I, 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 we would go to Tijuana a lot as a kid, and I would, like, ride horses on the beach. But I didn't think I was, like, absorbing culture in Tijuana so much. Yeah. But going back in my 20s, um, I felt like, oh, finally, here's a vibrant, colorful culture full of joy and love and glitter and, you know, Day of the Dead. Like, all this stuff that I loved that was, like, colorful and beautiful and joyful and... Uh, then when I would come back to Orange County and all the houses are like just different shades of beige, it, it was such a stark difference of like, you know, what what is this about the puritanical American culture that sucks all of the joy out of life? What is that? And also, is there something about, and I, I always wonder about people who grew up in like the Los Angeles suburbs in particular, because right. it, because it's like you're so close, so close to, to where the yeah. magic happens yes. or, where, or where like the image of mm-hmm. culture comes from, mm-hmm. but you're so removed from it because you're in the place that's like... The absence of that. Well, and I met, I knew a lot of people that never went to Los Angeles. I mean, I went into, as a teen all the time, so we would go up and see bands and everything. My yeah. dad lived in Los Angeles, so I was always going to Los Angeles right. from Orange County, but I knew a lot of people that they wouldn't go there because they thought it was dangerous or there's right. too many Mexicans or, no, seriously, yeah, yeah. like weird... It's like, well, there's but, too many Nazis here, and I have a problem yeah. with that. So. So, but is there, like, that little thing in it? You know, because I feel like if you if you grow more than, up... More than you yeah. realize, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, you named your dog that is, Adolf. That's I, a problem for me. I actually think it, it is, like, the neo-Nazi Sorry. capital Tell, of California. So. I know. Tell, Tell, I know. Yeah. But, like, that, you know, there's that thing, if you grow up in the Midwest, where you're yeah. really removed, yeah. your vision of it is almost... It's like, it's like you, it's kids from Los Angeles who didn't grow up in, like, in the scene, yeah, it always fascinates me of what their creative output is because I feel like they're so they're being told that they're in this magical place. I think it's it kind of goes. You mean Los of, Angeles is the magical place? Yeah, or like that. What the the movies and all, like or all the Hollywood, famous people in Hollywood, Hollywood, yeah, which is connected to creative culture, obviously, or obviously, what our representation yes. of yeah. it is. But I think California in general, if you're from California, you yeah. grew up in those places because I grew up in California. Same thing. It's yeah. like what area did you grow up? Uh, Oakland. No, oh yeah, okay, California. Northern, yeah. But we have this weird thing where it's like, well, it's not that, you know, it's, it's yeah. we're yeah. not all just rubbing shoulders with like Steve Jobs and Walt Disney. Like, it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, we're not. <laughs> well, I mean, for obvious <laughs> reasons now. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's kind of like me, you know, I don't just run about in a skirt chasing yeah. Nessie. Oh, um, great. But, but like, does I'm that, out of here. So that is clearly, there's yeah. something in that for you. Yes, yes. Um, Los Angeles, yes, like you're saying. And California in general, there's a mystique about it, and yeah. a lot of that is true. But, yeah, like now I live in the woods in Northern California now, and uh, I come to Los Angeles for two to three weeks at a time, and, and, you know, it's like, this is insane. How can anyone live here every time? But it's also where all the creative people I know live, mm-hmm. you know. So there's this blend of, like, you know, there's there's some ugliness in Los Angeles, let's be clear, and there's beauty, and there's a lot of fucking people, but there's a lot of great people, there's a lot of shitty people, there's all of it. So you have really like the melting pot. What I mean, you have like a microcosm of really how colorful the world can be. How much energy and how much cool, how cool was it to be in like that 
that Los Angeles scene in the in the nineties when th- people was things were picking up. And oh, it there was, was really all these cool. people, and it was like it felt different because it was like this is the West Coast moment. Like it's not about and the Los New Angeles York. was not on the map yet. Right. Yeah, it was exactly. still all based on the lineage of European art, and then through mm-hmm. the lens of New York. Right. And LA was not on the map, and in a way that was very freeing. Right. Um, because it didn't matter. You know, when when I got out of art school, you know. For a few years, it was like, oh, I was trying to apply to galleries. And at some point, it was just like, I don't fucking care. I'm just, I'm just going to paint. And it was freeing. It was very freeing to be um, out of that kind of lineage. And I think that period of art in the 90s in Los Angeles was that moment where a lot, Mark Ryden, the Clayton brothers, Tim Biscop, I mean, all those early people were, um, you know, saying we have a love of pop culture and illustration and cartoons and all of this stuff, and it's not accepted in this higher world, right. the world of Art Basel in which we are experiencing now. <laughs> yeah. But back in the day, you know, Juxtapose was just starting out, right. and, you know, you didn't have Juxtapose Clubhouse here at Art Basel. So yeah. I think it's been that in relation to California and Los Angeles has kind of put L.A. on the map. It's like, no, this is a thing. This is like... and But right. because it's popular, I think it, it was also poo-pooed by the high art world well, a little bit. You guys are the ones who made it popular because right. you guys were reminding everybody that the people behind your favorite images are actual artists who also do these, they might do commercial projects, right. but they also do stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. you guys were like the, the, the really, and maybe it's the internet that helped. Yeah, you guys I couldn't with have it. existed without the internet. Yeah, it's that like, it, it reminded people that there was all this creativity happening that you weren't actually told was creative. Well, and here's the other thing is that you can have fun. Yes. With art. You can laugh, you can have humor in there. And that in art school was very 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 serious. Um, it was very conceptual and you know, it's like I try to approach it the way I approach listening to music. You know, that's how I approach art. Which element was it then that you just said I couldn't be, I can do what I do without the internet. Which right. element of the internet was it that suddenly allowed you to to be able to do this, like what? Uh, it was the internet. No, 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 but I mean, no, but I mean, was it suddenly realizing the that actually, there was? No, oh, was I mean, no, was sorry. it people that were um, that you realized that there was an audience where you had been told from the, the yes. art school, the establishment, that there wasn't an audience and it couldn't be validated. Well, right, because yes, you, and no there one, wasn't. Nobody there felt wasn't. comfortable going into a New York gallery because there was always these expectations of why am Especially I in a gallery? Especially if you live in Indiana yeah, or exa- in oh, yes. wherever, Orange County, you know, right. people that before that had never had never been in a gallery experienced art except maybe from some old dusty book in the library of fucking Picasso or Leonardo da Vinci or, you know, not to, but, you know, that was all anyone had mm-hmm. in a library. So... Once the, you had the internet and artists started making websites, which I remember my first website, which was like 1994 or something, suddenly people are emailing you through the website. And you're like, who are these people? How do they find me? What are they searching? Like, it just sort of sprang up, you know? Like, you didn't know how it happened. You didn't know how people found you. But suddenly, everything was getting connected. It was like yeah. Lelusa Jesus Gallery, Mary Karnowski, Juxtapose, Robert Williams. Like, all these things started to co-mingle and then it became a scene but literally the internet this was before facebook or mm. instagram this was big. i know i don't know how old you are you're youngster but. i love how young you think i am <laughs> <laughs> i would just sit and bask this in this, this moment here, this 18 year old um 
no, oh it's isn't, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was only the internet. <laughs> And maybe like MySpace. <laughs> I think I had my, a MySpace thing. I don't know. Who yeah. cares? It MySpace. Oh my god! I, know. I forget Remember? about MySpace. I know. Because what about Friendster? There was Friendster too. There was for a that minute. for a second. That was for like a second. Yeah. It's always the third, it, the third but, version so of what, the idea that works. Yeah. Uh, Facebook's so the third. So what happened was that suddenly people could find art just on their computer, on their freaking AOL account or whatever bullshit people were using. Yeah, dial up, beep, beep, downloading some, like, image, just like, oh, my God. An hour and a half printing it out, Printing it out on some, like, shit paper to put on their notebook. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how, it was, like, punk rock. Do you you remember, like, that first email you got from someone that was like, I like what you do, and you're just like, yeah, okay. what I don't know how to like, respond. Where are you what, from? What yeah, is going what is on this? here? Yeah. yeah. No, it was weird. Yeah. Remember how weird it was? I mean, I, it's still weird, but in a different way. I can't even remember. <laughs> I, it, you know, it's at the point now where I can't remember a time where it was not normal. I know. And I, I'm 37, so I'm right on that brink yeah, of like so having. Yeah, so you might the, have been like. Where it was like. Your mommy's house on dial up. Yeah, AOL, exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. But, like, by the time I got out of high school, it was like when Napster started. And that's right. when, like, ruined all of our music loving. Because, right. like, you couldn't go to a record shop anymore. I yeah, mean, yeah. Thanks, Napster. You know, it's starting around now. Yeah, yeah, vinyl's kind yeah. of coming back, which is great. But, yeah, no, I, like, I went into art school. There was no internet. I came out. There was internet. That's what happened. But suddenly, it became like a collective unconscious of people who had never been art fans before were suddenly, like, what was finding it, that, what it. What was it that you tapped into then? I think I just made people that, I made art that people could like. That they could enjoy without needing to know the historical right. references. Right, and they they could say e- this, even though they're yeah. there. They're there. Yeah, they're there. But you don't need that. To, no, to, they to could say this to... kind of looks like a Pinocchio or a Max Fleischer cartoon, and I understand he's sawing off his nose. Like it was kind of, you know, like it's all there. You don't need, um, you don't need to have a degree in art history or. Or uh, critical theory to or understand. Subscribe to Art Forum. Mm-hmm. No, no, and I always Call approach it more as like how maybe like an outsider artist would approach of just like, you know, this is what's in my brain. I'm putting it out there, but you know, there's probably something here that you can. So what is it? What's what's left for you then? What's your story? What which story do you want to delve into that you've not done yet? Well, uh, I'm actually moving into. My lifelong dream, like when I was a kid, I did want to do animation. That was always the dream mm-hmm. is to um, to do film, but I didn't go to school for film. So I'm actually working on a stop motion project that's based on the story I wrote and illustrated called The Cabinet of Dr. Decay. So it's basically like it contains everything I love about writing, like um, George Orwell, Roald Dahl, uh, Kafka, Franz Kafka, so, art, um, you know, sort of dystopian literature. Very dystopian. Light, light reading. Yeah. Light, yeah. Some light reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, Make you feel good. I mean, James <laughs> and the Giant Peach is a, a sweet little, story. Sure, but warm, sure. cuddle well, the yeah. <laughs> Roald Dahl the really, like, yeah, yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. Roald Dahl was interesting because he kind of wrote some kid stories, but they were really not just for kids. And he's really one of my favorite writers in that way. Um, but, yeah, so it's like I, I'm calling it, like, a dystopian fairy tale. So you have all of the elements of criticizing our Orwellian culture at this point, but it's funny and it's cute and it's going to be really fun to watch. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to kind of, I feel like I've made enough paintings, you know, Mm -hmm. so I would like to delve into um, 
filmmaking, so I think it encompasses uh, storytelling and and music and sound in a way that it's something that I've always wanted to do. And I yeah, it feels like a culmination through. of all the things yeah. that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems really and natural. I made no paintings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I made no paintings. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to remember how many paintings I've made. Like, yeah, do you? Do you know? Are you, are you like? Are you like? Are you like Raiden who numbers them? No, I'm not. Like, I'm not oh. organized. Like Raiden, he's yeah. very organized. Yeah, he's uh, very organized. No, mine is just like I got through this year, yay! Um, <laughs> and that's like every year for the past thirty years. Uh, so I don't know, but I mean, I don't know if if we count like every illustration. I don't know what to count is like yeah, a piece, right. you okay. know? Yeah, everything. So like <laughs> just. The illustrations for this book I just wrote, there's a hundred illustrations in that book. Okay. So for uh, Cinderella and Snow White, there were probably 85 illustrations in each of those. Um, so we're really, we're already getting up. Yeah, it's probably in the thousands, maybe. Yeah. Are you an everyday painter? Um, no. I am for long periods of time, like I'll go like 12 months painting every day. Okay. And that, but that's it'll be like building up to a show. And towards the end, it's like I'm painting twelve-hour days. I'm not showering. I'm not getting my. You know, it gets feral. And that's, and that's it gets the, weird. And for you, that's the only way feral. it works. It gets feral. Hey, um, I think to to tap into some part of your imagination that is the deepest part, the most authentic part, and uh, the most inspired part. You literally have to fail at every other part of your just, life. Just get just manic. fail. Just, just get like manic with it. I'm bad at this relationship. Yeah. I'm bad at calling my friends back. I don't remember any birthdays. I never pair my socks up. I just no time. Like I'm kind I of like that those two were, were, were next to each other. Like <laughs> I'm bad at all my socks. relationships and I don't pair my socks. Yeah, I'm ter I have so a terrible relationship take what, with socks. Take what you want with that. Yeah. Yes. But no, I'm kind of like a dude. I mean, not that that's a dude quality to not pair your socks, but I just checking. I know. Yeah, mine, 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 mine are paired mine, now because yeah. I knew I'd be on the podcast and that would count. Yeah, it's good for um, an audio podcast. Yeah. Always have <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, I'm just, when I get in that mode, it's like I am neither male nor female nor human nor I am just the freaking universe, you know? Yeah. And, but you have to get weird and you have to like block out. Like I went for a period of time, uh, maybe it was. I think it was like two or three years ago over the winter when I was up in the woods. I didn't check my email for, I think, four weeks. That just to see how long. I know. So much anxiety, <laughs> but it feels so good. I know. I just wanted to see. I haven't see. looked at it in like 10 minutes, and I'm I like. Know. Oh. You know. I wanted to see how long I could do it. And, and every day I was like, well, no one's texted me, so I guess it's not an emergency. Can I ask a question? Did you yeah. miss anything? Yeah, I missed a really rad party at Josh Homme and Brody's house for oh. New Year's that I should have responded well, I to. I would like to go to that party. I know, I know. They're in the like desert, the probably. No, in their in their Hollywood. Oh, that's right. He's in Hollywood. He's oh. in Hollywood. He's, he left, I know. He left the desert. And then the... I was like, I hope they don't think I didn't want to go. You know what I right. mean? Because yeah, people yeah. think if you don't respond, it's because you hate them. And it's like, no, it's just because I love myself. Right. Yeah. Is that like so that. wrong? So what are you doing here? What in Miami, doing? the backdrop <laughs> oh, yeah. of this whole, I forgot, we haven't even, we should have started with that. Yeah, okay. no, I, I prefer, I think from now on, we don't, <laughs> we don't start with that. We start with absolutely anything else. Go on, well, give us the, give us right. the, well, the hard set. It does come full circle. It always it does. does, yeah, it does. Yeah. Always with tequila. Yeah. Um, I have not been to Miami Basel in, in many years, and I was invited this year to be an ambassador for the Maestro Dobel 
tequila, which is delicious tequila. I believe you guys sampled it last night. Is oh, that what you're we telling ever? me? We didn't ritually sample no, it. No, yeah. We'll, we'll do it again and we'll do it correctly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 You got some peyote. I don't because you can't bring that on the plane. We can find. Have, we can. We can I have some. CBD oils. That's as much oh, as I can do. Oh, can you fly with that? I did. Okay. It's not. I don't think that's legal. <laughs> I don't know. I, actually, I, I wanted because I, I, yeah. you know, I wanted to try and sleep while I was here, and it just without my. CBD. I wasn't sure, so I just brought it, and I was We're not so arrested. Right now. I know. I'm just, I'm just like, bring this it is everywhere. so Northern California right now. <laughs> yeah. It's getting no. The CBDs have saved my life. Oh yeah. my God, what a, what a like revelation. So what are you doing here in Miami? Oh, yeah. Miami? oh sorry. No. Straight into, so, <laughs> so drugs. <laughs> no, anyway, Legal. so I Legal am, drugs. yeah, I have been invited and they're doing a dinner in my honor, um, Maestro Dubel Tequila. And we're going to talk about really, you know, the stories and, and ancestry and how that relates to making kind of small ba- a small batch product and what, what that means and... Um, I don't know. It's it's quite an honor, and it's it's been really really great for them to invite me here. Yeah. Well, it's been an honor having yeah. you on. Yeah, it was thing. fun, Thank you guys. So much. Awesome. Are we good at this? Are we okay? Yeah, but we should uh, drink again in the correct way after this. Probably. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. In the correct way. I'm ready. I'm okay. ready. Yeah. You ready I'm revived. You kicked, okay. you kicked my angle. <laughs> this, this has, thank you so All much. Right. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you guys.